You're listening to Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights. And a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Justin Watson. We are fresh off of UFC Rio Rancho, and uh, we're coming up on UFC Auckland this weekend. So we're going to dive back into Rio Rancho this week, uh, get some uh, takes on that card, do a little recap action. Then we're going to talk to Garrett Sharp this week. Garrett is set to uh, compete in the co-main event for VFC 70 coming up on March the 6th. He'll be taking on Joel Winters, so we're going to check in with Garrett Sharp, who's been very active here lately on the scene. And then uh, in our final segment, we will get a look ahead at this weekend's UFC Auckland and the Bellator 239 card going down Friday night. So, Justin, my man, what's been going on? We've had a bit of a uh, kind of, you know, we had an exciting weekend this past weekend with Hot Sauce and Shannon both fighting Uh, a little bit of a downshift this week. Yeah, I think last weekend was a great, great night for Knoxville. Get a little shine. Um, I think this uh, there's there's a few fights on this card that are pretty good. The main event's going to be solid, man. Oh, I'm pumped for this uh, Paul Felder and Dan Hooker fight. That is going to be all action for sure. Uh, let's see here. Let's uh, dive into a uh, a little look back at what happened last week uh, before we dive into uh, the future shit. Uh, let's see here. It was UFC Fight Night on ESPN Plus number 25. It was going down uh, this past Saturday night. Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Headlined by a big light heavyweight tilt, Jan Blahovich taking on Corey Anderson. We'll get to that here in just a bit. The prelims, though, started off. Uh, Julian Paiva gets a, uh, a big second-round knockout over Mark De La Rosa. Uh, improves to 19-3. and three, Gets his first win in the UFC. One thing I thought it was odd and kind of telling about the lack of depth in the UFC flyweight division is both these guys were ranked coming into this fight, like 13th, 14th, 14th, 15th, something like that. And Paiva had never won a fight in the UFC. He was 0-2 coming in and, and was ranked. And then after this fight, they just like flip-flopped ranks. It's like <clears throat> now the other one just flip-flopped one spot up and, and, the, and the loser went one down. Uh, the second bout, Macy uh, Chason uh, improves to 6-1 with a unanimous decision win over our own Shanna Young. The Shannable with a very good showing, though. You know, I thought that she accounted very well for herself. Given the circumstances, taking this fight on about a week's notice at altitude, a weight class up against a girl coming down from 145. So uh, the, the deck was definitely stacked against her, and she really delivered a good performance. Can't take anything away from Macy, though. You know, she had an opponent change herself at the last minute and uh, had to deal with the, the conditions and, and dealt with them well. I thought that Shannon was really doing uh, really good in the stand-up. Uh, her, the exchanges, she was seeming to hurt Macy and landing some good ones, but uh, when she tended to tie up in the clinch <clears throat> Macy's uh, leverage advantage was very evident she's uh, nearly six feet tall and was able to to get the fight to the ground stay on top and uh, and grind out all three rounds um, I thought Shanna's first round was actually her best round and she faded a little bit each round but I think that uh, you know the main thing is she got that uh, you know she stepped up on short notice for UFC she got a multi-fight deal and uh, you know she's going to get another opportunity at the proper weight class 125 proper notice I know she'll be competitive in that division. 
Uh, Marab Davishvili gets a unanimous decision win over Casey Kenny. That was a good one. Uh, Davishvili is very, very good wrestler, and he's got a super good chin on top of it. So he's he's kind of a, a tough matchup for anybody, I think. A solid win over Casey Kenny. Uh, Devin Clark with a unanimous decision win over Daquan Townsend. And then uh, Hot Sauce, Scott Holtzman, with a unanimous decision win over Jim Miller. Uh, he got dropped in the first round, so there was a little scare. But, uh, you know, other than that, <clears throat> it was all Hot Sauce dominated in every phase of that fight. Uh, the stand-up, the ground game, um, it was all hot sauce, man. And it was a super, super good win over a uh, true uh, a true pro in Jim Miller, man. This guy's been around forever. He's fought the best of the best. Definitely a great feather in his cap. Uh, rounding out the prelims, John Dodson gets a, a much-needed win knockout. Uh, third round over uh, Nathaniel Wood, hyped prospect from England. And then it was Daniel Rodriguez pulling the upset over the dirty bird, Tim Means. He was trouble early, but, you know, Daniel would stood the the barrage and, and ended up flooring means with like one second to go and then really uh, turn it on in the second round uh let's go back to these prelims justin uh who uh, stood out to you and uh who uh, you know kind of kind of made a name for themselves and a little statement for bigger fights here i think um more than anybody it has to be shanna you know she was coming into this fight just super outsized you know as far as we know she had the flu a week ago You're right um and gets called in and, and fights somebody, you know, ranked number 12 in the world in a weight class above her. Um, and, you know, I think she did she did great, put out a, a great account for herself. You know, the first first round, like you said, it was tough uh, back and forth. And then um, she just basically lost the fight uh, because of the size, I think. You know, yeah. Once she got on bottom, she couldn't really go anywhere. She just kind of got smothered there. Um but, you know, she showed tons of heart being able to fight through it all. And Macy would have finished, you know, a lot of the division. Most so definitely. I think that. Um, I think she finishes Nico. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I think it was a huge statement for Shannon. I think, you know, they're going to give her something, you know, either either um, a, a good, you know, maybe even a top 15 opponent at, uh, at 125, you know, or, or really try to build her as, right. as, as a contender there. Um, because she, she showed a lot of promise in that fight. Uh, Philly, I think, set a record for, for takedowns, you know, went out there and just dominated. Um, I missed this fight with the highlights that I saw, you know, just, just saw him, him ragged on no. Casey Kenny. And much. Kenny's no slouch wrestler. I mean, no. he's like a college-level wrestler. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, Casey Kenny is, has by far, you know, um, I, I underestimated, underestimated him a lot when he came in, but, mm. um, you know, He's he's proven himself to me over the years. The Scotty fight was awesome, man. You know, it's, it's exactly what I was hoping for in that fight. Jim Miller is, you know, just a, a grindy veteran that, um, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame for for a grindy, you know, just a nasty brawl, and that's what that's what Scott got out of him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of a classic one to look back at your kids and say, you know, this guy was is a legend. He was already in the Hall of Fame, and you know, we we, we went out there and put on a show and Absolutely. went to war. And I got the nod in it, you know, and um, I think it, you know, it could be a big turning point for Scotty. Um, hopefully, he'll get a get a big fight next. Like you said, it was a, a very much needed win for John Dodson. I mean, he was, um, you know, slowly becoming irrelevant. Yeah, I think, think it'd been nearly two years since he had a win. Yeah, and um, you know, moving up to to one thirty five. Now um, he may have already had one fight. This might be his second fight at one thirty five, but. Um, still taking on, you know, 
prospects yeah. at this point. You know, it's kind of weird to see him going back down like that. But at the same time, it's, it's nice seeing that he's willing to take on these prospects, these kids that are supposed to be the next big thing. Um, and he got a huge win at home. Um, in front of all his family and friends, his kids oh, yeah. there and everything. Yeah, he's like a tried and true New Mexico guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and so um, I think it was a great night for him. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez, man, came in and spoiled the party. You know, Tim Means is when you think about New Mexico, you think about Tim Means. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and he's he's kind of you know trying to be on a, on a resurgence, I, I guess you could say. And like I said, at the end of that first round. He got dropped, man, and he was just wobbling yeah. to the corner. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know if they were going to, you know, try to come in mm. and stop the fight between you because he was obviously out. Yeah. You know? it, you and know, he wasn't the same after that. No. At all. If you do that in a boxing match or a kickboxing match, you know, if, if the referee's giving you an eight count and you're wobbling around like that, it's a good chance you're you're going to stop gonna. the fight, you know? So yeah. it wouldn't have surprised me if the referee would have stopped the fight there. Um, I don't know. I need to look at that rule and see how it works with the with the bell. You know, being safe right. with the bell, literally. Right. Um, but then when he came back out, you know, you, like you said, he wasn't he wasn't the same, and he just basically stuck his neck out there. And, right. Um, he gave gave Rodriguez the perfect guillotine, and it was just a nasty power guillotine. Um, I don't think he, I don't think he went to sleep. I think he tapped right before he went to sleep. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, it's like a frantic. Yeah, but big win. Um, I think that was, was, that was his light notice too. Yeah, it, yeah, it was his late uh, his UFC proper debut, mm-hmm. right? So um, that was huge for him, man. He, you know, he might be getting a big opportunity from here. Yeah, it seems like I got a lot of the guys and girls, I guess, coming off the contender series are getting thrown to these bigger fights, mm-hmm. you know, with with people who've been been around for forever, like JSP and Joe Lozon. Um, so it's kind of cool. I mean, you know, you're, I think you're getting thrown in there to lose, probably. Right. <laughs> most, of, most of the time. But um, if you pull off of a win like this. It's a big opportunity to huge. make your name on someone yeah. else's back. Yep. The main card uh, got started with Lando Venata getting a unanimous decision win over Yancey Medeiros. That fight didn't really go like I expected. I really thought Yancey would go all out and just kind of put on the kind of performance that he's known for, that balls out, just, he, you know, you know, feast or famine kind of all in, let's go to war. But he just seemed tentative. It, wasn't, it didn't seem like the same guy. Props to Lando Venata getting a win at home. Ray Borg gets a, a, a very, very impressive performance, uh, unanimous decision win over Rogerio Bontorin. The uh, asterisk on this one, of course, is going to be that Ray Borg missed weight yet again uh, at 125. And I believe uh, the aftermath of such, the UFC has decreed that he will not be able to compete at 125 anymore. He has to go to 35. How much of a difference does that make? Because I think it makes a big difference. I think at 125, he's shown to be, you know, at the top of the, you know, towards the top of the division at 135, he just doesn't have those advantages that he's able to implement, um, obviously, at 125. Yeah, <clears throat> those advantages come from what caused him to miss right. weight. You know, I mean, he's a big, big 125, and he loses that advantage. Um, you know, a big part of his game is the wrestling and the, and the top control and being heavy on top and being able to to dictate, you know, where the top, where the fight's taking place. And, you know, he can keep guys at 125. He keeps those guys down right. pretty easily. But um, at 135, you know, it doesn't seem like much of a jump, 10 pounds, you know. But when you when you break it down, I mean, that's yeah, it's a pretty big size difference. Yeah, I mean, size, when you, you think know? about the percentage of your body, <clears throat> 10 pounds 
you know, to a 170 pound person to a 180 pound person uh, versus from a 125 pound person, to 135 pound person, you're looking at almost 10% of your entire body weight. Mm-hmm. Obviously that gets smaller as you get, as you go up in size, uh, Brock Weaver and Rodrigo Vargas. Um, it was all Vargas, man. Vargas was kicking Brock Weaver's ass and, uh, just had a, very poor fight IQ and got out of control and got disqualified with the first of two illegal knee disqualifications on the evening. Brock Weaver, Brock Weaver gets the win. You can tell he didn't like it like that. You know, you tell he wasn't a performance that he was happy with. Uh, I think I read uh, a quote where he said that uh, he lost that fight. He just got paid really well for it. Uh, and Vargas is, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they run this back. Maybe I guess I could see them maybe running it back because Vargas really was, uh, he was, you know, he was looking really, good he's just completely out of control essentially and and through a very very flagrant one i mean it was a bad egregious knee to the head and it pretty much knocked brock weaver out um up next montana de la rosa gets a pretty dominant uh unanimous decision over mara romero barella the italian fighter falls to 12 and 7 and de la rosa moves to 11 and 5 i would expect her to start getting a step up in competition here soon and uh then the co-main event diego sanchez with the second of our illegal knee disqualifications he's uh was getting ran pretty much by michelle perea um who was looking good. He came in, he made the weight, you know, uh, he's a big, just jacked up 170. He was, uh, having his way with Diego Sanchez, Diego doing some, some funny stuff out there, you know, some cartwheels and, you know, a lot of like crazy blind charges and just, just a lot of, um, a, a lot of wild ones, uh, that, uh, a lot of wild moves uh, from Diego without a lot of reason to it, you know, and one has to wonder if this new, you know, camp that he has set up for himself is going to work at this level. You know, essentially Diego is an independent fighter now, you know, for all intents and purposes. And I don't know that this is going to work out to his benefit moving forward. He gets the win here. And it was pretty obvious to me he wanted, uh, you know, to take the uh, the quote unquote smart, savvy vet move. He was uh, pretty lucid, it looked like, in the corner. He just uh, was asking the right questions to the referee he figured out that it was going to be a disqualification win for him. And he took that disqualification win and ran with it, you know, um, no, uh, no shame in it from him either, you know, chest out. He took that victory and said that, you know, uh, that was a veteran move. Uh, before we get to the main event, uh, you sum it up on these last uh, three we went over uh, here. Uh, Brock Weaver and Rodrigo Vargas, De La Rosa, Barella and uh, Sanchez Perea. So I didn't get to talk about Lando at all but you know we've talked about Lando a lot over the over the past year or so and um, I think this is the fight where he finally came into his own you know came into what he was expected to be um, this whole time you know his his style is is fun to watch he he fights with his hands down a lot Um, you know great great counter fighter Um, but he you know he kind of led the dance in this one pushed Yancey back against the cage and um, you know, just had a dominant performance. I think that was, you know, exactly what he needed in that fight. Um, you know, we talked about Ray Borg missing weight. Uh, the Brock Weaver thing, man, um, I was looking forward to, to seeing Brock Weaver in the UFC just because his, uh, his his style and his, you know, the, the culture that brings he brings to the table. So it's a He's market. He's an intense guy. Yeah, yeah. It's a market that's unrepresented. Um, and... You know, I think it's, he's he's just fun, a fun guy. 
Um, but you know, like you said, he was he was uh, on the losing end of that fight. But man, he took a big knee and he was out from it. Um, so it was a unfortunate event there. Um, but you know, I look forward to, to seeing him come back from it. And uh, I don't, know, I don't don't necessarily want to see a rematch with Vargas because you know we we saw how that was going. You know, for the first four minutes or so. Um, but I'd like to see Brock go out there and get a nice win. Sure. Um, you know, get a, get a couple of nice wins, you know, and be built built properly, um, you know, to, to, get, to make a name for, for him. And uh, I think he could have a, a potential, you know, big seller there. Um, Montana De La Rosa looks great. Um, she's probably the hottest, the hottest fighter on the roster. <laughs> um, but, you know, she's mostly known for her wrestling ground game. Um, she landed a nice right hand, you know, flush that, that dropped Barella, um, you know, and, and um, just kind of just kind of imposed her will and, and got got the job done. The decision there, Diego. I mean, this is a crazy one. Like you said, uh, Diego not with Jacksons anymore. I mean, Diego's been wild for a long time. Like he's, you know, since since the beginning, there's always been something off about him but <laughs> over the past few years it's just gotten that much more intense you know and um he reminds me of the guy who's like you know done way too much ass or right. way, way too much shrooms it's just yeah. like he's totally serious yeah but he's not he just seems <laughs> like he's 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 totally serious but he doesn't realize like how slow he seems you know yeah. it doesn't seem like he's on the same playing field as everybody else but um this is a while but I couldn't believe he was taking this fight just because of the size difference and all that stuff and Bahia looked like a fucking light he's heavyweight dude. He was, <laughs> he's huge. He was he, so he big. does look like a light heavyweight for sure. Yeah, and like when when he was landing shots on Diego, you know, it was it was pushing him back and knocking him off his feet a little bit. Um and I, I was hard on a lot of people you know, on social media and stuff going into this fight that were picking Diego, like, what the fuck are you thinking? Right, like, right. Bahia's gonna kill him. This is, you know, he's being brought to the slaughter, but um, especially when you saw him make weight and he looked good. Yeah, because you know he said he wasn't going to fight him if he didn't make the weight, and I thought that that was certainly a, a possibility. <laughs> yeah, know, I mean, but I, he made the weight and he looked great. I thought that was Diego's only chance of of getting out of there alive. You know, yeah, <laughs> honestly, and um, but Diego looked ready to go too, and and despite all the craziness of, about his training camp and and all that stuff he wasn't doing horrible. I mean, he wasn't doing a, a ton of offense, but when you do put into perspective how powerful Bahia is and, and how big and athletic and strong he is and stuff, he really wasn't landing that many shots on Diego. Right. I mean, you know, Diego ate, ate a few shots, um, but for the most part, his defense was, was doing pretty good, you know. Um, I, that may have been part of the plan was, you know, watch this. He, he just did it to a guy that he should have paid, should have walked through. You know, he, he gassed himself out and, mm. and got beat because of it. Maybe Diego was going in there with that same game plan. Right. And if so, I mean, he was playing it out pretty well um, because he wasn't taking that much damage, you know. But um, right before the knee happened, I guess he caught a knee in the ribs. Uh, he, he says broke a couple ribs. And so he went down to that. The knee to the head was blatant. I mean, yeah. it was, it, there was no there was no questioning it. It split his shit wide open. But the you know different from the Brock Weaver one, Diego was conscious. Yeah. I mean, he would you know. Oh yeah, he, he was, was having conversations. Lucid. Yeah, he was lucid. He knew <laughs> what was going on, and um, so 
I don't know how much damage it did. Um, but, you know, he did ask the referee if I don't continue, basically, you know, that was an illegal shot. It's yeah. going to be a DQ, basically. And um, he wanted to talk to his corner. That would have been a shit show to see see them let that guy in there to, to talk about it. Um, right. But, but um, ultimately, you know, he, he said that he couldn't see and didn't want to fight. The doctors made it seem like he was fine. Good to go. There's been a bunch of criticism about it and a bunch of people talking shit like, you know, he was being a pussy, he should have fought. But, and I, I understand that that mindset, you know. Um, I took an illegal knee one time in a fight that I was winning and I think I was on my way to a finish in and then took an illegal knee to the head. Um, and I was lucid. I knew what was going on, but at the same time, like, this just happened. Give me a second, you know. I, right. I, I made it. You know, I landed the takedown off of it, but I made it, uh, you know, clear to the referee, like, hold up, this motherfucker just need me in the head, you know. And um, the doctors ended up coming in and saying, you know, you're concussed. We can't let you fight. I didn't have a choice. Diego had had a choice here. Um, and ultimately, I mean, it's a fight that he's losing. He's, he's getting dominated in. Uh, I think his corner told him that he had won the second round or something like that. So he he basically thinks that he's got to win this round, which he's losing. Yeah, which he's losing, and he he did he didn't win the second round, but that's just <laughs> what his coach said. But um, regardless, I mean, he, he's basically got to get a finish at this point, and he's getting he is getting caught. You yeah, know? he's doing a good job of playing defense, but he is getting caught from time to time, and he did just probably possibly he says now he just broke two ribs. Yeah. So you know, is it, it you know do you think? Uh, a lot of a lot of fans, I think, put a lot of weight on you know the the persona of being a fighter and and you know being uh, a warrior and all that stuff. Do you think that uh, what do you, what do you think about Diego's choice in this? Do you think that he made the right decision, or do you think that he was that? I mean, when it first happened, you know, you said something to me, and I said he wanted out of there. Any way you get out of the heat, you wanted out. And I stick by that. I think he did want out, but. Yeah. But fuck, man, you're talking about double the money. Yeah. And probably about a seventy five thousand yeah, dollar decision. Yeah. And, and now you're technically on a three fight win streak, mm-hmm. I think. So, you know, and you got past this fucking guy. Yeah. Like <laughs> you know, Diego's been fighting for fifteen years or something. He was he's the last one from from the original Ultimate Fighter. He's already got one, you know, Hall of Fame spot for for a fight. And he's gonna he will be a Hall of Famer, you know, as a person. Um this is the end of his career. You know, he also think about the damage that he did just take, but now that he will continue to incur to continue fighting. Plus if he is hurt, I mean, that, that could, that could nullify that defense. He's been playing this whole fight. He may end up, you know, losing a few, sure. a few fights, which yeah. at this point, you know, he needs to, to, uh, to, um, extend his career as long as he doesn't need to take fights off of his career mm. and taking a, a few more headshots like that could have gotten it. But, um, I think he made the right decision. I think that, you know, it was an illegal shot, you know, right. like, he didn't do anything wrong. yeah, ultimately yeah. he did. He, he made an illegal shot that may, you know, affect the rest of this fight. Obviously you want to be tough about it or whatever, and and go win a fight that you're already losing. I mean, that just doesn't really make sense to me. Definitely not monetarily and, and from a business standpoint. Um, 
and the son of a bitch came out with the Rolling Thunder kick, you know? Like, <laughs> I think he deserved to win. I mean, his his character was on point this whole time. From the time he walked out, you know, to the very end, puffing his chest out with the win. Oh, yeah. Um, he was looking like a psychopath, you know? <laughs> he, the way he's, like, staring Bahia down before the fight and all, all that stuff, like, I don't know. It was all perfect. I think that it sucks that it happened this way, but ultimately it's a win for Diego and – you know, in more ways than just on his record. I mean, I think it was a, a good, um, I think it was all good for Diego. <laughs> Man, I can't fault him at all. He didn't do anything wrong here. And at the end of the day, uh, he made the absolute smartest choice he could make without a doubt, the most lucid he seemed the entire, uh, process more, more lucid in that whole moment than he was in the pre-fight stuff leading up to it. But dare I say, you know, so, Hey man, um, I can't hate on it. He made uh, double the payday. He extends his shelf life. And I honestly think the UFC matchmakers need to, you know, Diego has been a guy company guy for a long time, you know, and has put on some wars. I feel like they need to, you know, hook him up a little bit at this point. I don't think he has intentions of going after world titles and things like that. I think he's uh, fine with just com- continuing to compete and put on a show. You know, there, there's no point in trying to get this guy killed against uh, a guy like Michelle Prey. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, they, they're, I feel like they're trying to get him fucked up at this point, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I feel like they could do a little better by Diego, uh, just personally. Before we, before we get off of it, do you know who has... Uh, I guess you could say called out Diego now. Connor. Oh, really? Connor posted. Yeah, Connor, he'd just mess him up, though. He he, he probably would. But when you really think about just the styles of it and stuff, it is, it's definitely a, a great showcase for Connor. It is, to, and to it's actually a, a it's a stage for Diego that he'll never mm-hmm. have the opportunity to share again. A big fight, yeah. you know. He, it's at one seventy. It's a it's a massive name again. Like you said, we said it's it's a Hall of Famer. He's now coming. He's on three fight win streak. Right. Like he's not ranked though, is he? I don't think so. But I mean, on paper, it's hard to argue other than the ranking thing, and the and that really is is doesn't really matter because Connor's ultimately not staying at 170. Right. This is a 170 fight. He doesn't necessarily need to be fighting ranked opponents and, and messing up the rankings. True. So, um, you know, is it going to be a tough sell? Yeah, but I think that on, on paper, you can prove the points on paper why it makes sense, kind of, you know. Sure. Who else is Connor going to fight? You need Connor to keep winning as the UFC you, you know, you, you, I think Gaethje is, is the best choice for Connor's next fight because I think it's a, you can sell that fight. And I think Connor, you know, walks away with a highlight knockout in that one too. But there is a much, much, much higher chance you get knocked out by Gaethje than losing to Diego. Very, and, very true. You know, this is all speculation at this point. You know, Connor just tweeted uh, McGregor versus Sanchez, and there hasn't been any. No, no updates on it or anything. Right. So we don't know, you know, that it's got any legs to it or whatever. But um, I thought it was interesting, an interesting call. You know, at first I was like, get the fuck out of here, like that's ridiculous. But now thinking about it, the more that I that I think about the business side of it, shit, why not? You know, and like like you said, Diego deserves something big. There's no way he wins that fight. But it's Diego fucking Sanchez. He he fucking might. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like. He, Diego's also, it, you want to talk about 
an advantage that Diego would have would be in grappling. Think about, you know, we've talked about this before, but Diego manhandles people and very, very rarely can, do people do that to him. Kiesa did it, but like Diego manhandled Mickey Gall. Yeah. And, you know, Mickey Gall's a big dude. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, Diego's, Diego's jiu-jitsu is top notch and he does definitely have the advantage there if he's smart enough to take it there and do that. But I don't know if he's lucid enough anymore. I don't know how much jiu-jitsu he's you know, really even gotten. Yeah, I don't know if his training uh, situation yeah. is the same as it was then. Yeah. You know, I think now that can't cannot be tr- can't be trusted. Yeah, really. But hey, I can't hate on the guy if he gets a big payday against Connor. I'll tune in. Uh, main event, light heavyweight action, uh, title implications. Apparently, uh, it was uh, Corey Anderson taking on Jan Blahovich and Corey Anderson uh, talking talking a lot of that talk coming into this. And unfortunately, uh, wasn't able to walk the walk. Looking pretty good, but ultimately, about three minutes in, gets caught with a big right hook that sets him down. One more for good measure, finishes him off. And Jan Blahovich is calling out John Jones at cage side before you know it. Is that going to be the next fight? Uh, well, first, before we go to that, let's we'll talk about the match here. You know, I, I felt like Corey Anderson was doing pretty good up to that point. His head movement was good, but he fought Jan's fight, you know, Corey didn't implement his wrestling, which obviously was a big key to him winning their initial encounter. And uh, you standing there with a guy like this, uh, you're you're playing with fire. And one thing that Jan said before the fight in an interview was if Corey doesn't, you know, if he's not able to implement the wrestling within three minutes of the fight, he's going to end up on his back, you know, waking up to the referee. This fight lasted three minutes and eight seconds. Yeah, how that, that's fucking. You want to talk about Mystic Mac? That's that's pretty pretty good calling your shot, you know. <clears throat> um, Corey did look good coming in, you know, coming into the leading up to the knockout. I think he was holding his own in the striking. Um, you know, Jan's not necessarily the the most tight, technical striker in the world. He's just he's got that Polish power. You know, that's that's what he's known for. He's got technical enough striking to keep him in there, but it's not you know, world-class John Jones striking. Um, Corey Anderson's been working that part of his game hard for a while now. And, you know, it, it's it's shown, you know, he, he was doing pretty good. <clears throat> um, but he made just a, a really basic, basic mistake. Um, and part of that could have been the, the stage that you're on. It could have been that he, he was doing well and he was getting a big head about it. And yeah. Just, you know, Taking you, you take a split second off in this thing, and you're waking up, you know, not knowing what happened. And you know, he comes in, he threw a, a, a leg kick, just real lazy leg, just kind of hung kick. around there yep. in the just, in the bad zone, hung out both hands <laughs> down. You know, typically you're when you, when you throw that kick, you know, especially to get the most power out of it and and to keep your balance the best. You know, you're throwing your left arm down to kind of counter, counterbalance your body. And your right hand staying up, you know, to block your face in case it gets countered. Um, and he had already thrown one of these leg kicks before. Jan saw it, waited for it to come again. And Crushed. As, yeah, as soon as he threw that leg kick, he just threw a, just a huge right hook. And, um, you know, then he the the, the uh, hammer fist that he landed when he was down, man, that's going to be a highlight hammer yeah. fist. Like, that's, like, that's one of those. Bam. Yeah, it was just a perfect shot, you know. <laughs> I think um, I think Corey's Corey's head like came off the canvas, and as his eyes rolled around looking at Yawn, the fist came down. They just you know the impact meeting each other, and it was it was perfect. Bounced his head off, and um, fuck man, you know what what bigger opportunity can you have than in Albuquerque 
right in front of the the, the greatest of all time, yeah. the champion of the world. And uh, he played it right. You yeah. know, it was it was good on him to to go over there and make the call out. You know, yeah. because it's fresh off of this whole Dominic Reyes thing. I mean, we're talking real fresh. You know, yeah. so he was able to kind of just. You know, slide on in there, and now Dominic's kind of like I'm, I'm sure is kind of you know second fiddle for now potentially. Mm-hmm. Which you know I don't know if I agree with it or not, but uh, right now is like pretty much the, the, they get while the getting's good on Yon. I think you know yeah. because I mean, this is the most uh, you know potential people will see him as having to to get a win mm-hmm. here. And ultimately, that was just adding the feeling, you know, like just the opportunity, the the way that everything lined up for Yon in this fight. I mean, it was it was basically played out for Corey Anderson. I think I don't think I think Jan played spoiler. Mm. He was a two to one underdog yeah. coming into the fight. I think Corey's been talking the shit and and he's the fight to itself for sure. And so this, this whole thing was handmade for him. You know, a week after John's fight in Albuquerque, John's going to be there front row. John wins. You win. After the fight, you, you know, you you go up there and do your thing and talk shit. And uh, Jan was able to, to capitalize on on um, the opportunity that was that was being given to Corey, basically, you know. And he didn't get crazy on the mic. He's not, you know, he's not uh, English. He doesn't he doesn't speak the language. It's not his first language. And so I think it was good that he didn't go out there trying to act a fool. Too yeah, much, right? <laughs> yeah, and just like you know, trying to do what Corey would have done, basically. Mm. Um, but he he said, you know, give me the shot. Tell me now. Answer me that I'm I'm next, and John gets up on his chair, man. He's like screaming at the crowd, getting the crowd going, getting them hyped up, and you know he says, "Yeah, you're next." And you know another just um, just a variable that that plays right into to Jan's favor on this is that John does not fucking want to fight Dominic right now. Right, right. That's right. not that's like, not yeah. a rematch he He's wants. Like, yeah, tomorrow. you got it, Yon. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> not a rematch that he wants and everybody's pushing it. So what you know, when this happened, he doesn't like Corey and he was it, it played perfectly for John too. He doesn't like Corey, didn't really want to, to fight him, didn't yeah. think he deserved it. Um, you know, got to watch him get knocked out. Now he gets to to uh you know tell Dominic Reyes sorry sit on the sidelines. Um and you know this fight doesn't sell three hundred thousand pay per views. I don't think. I mean, you, you put it on a stacked, stacked card. Throw yeah. another it good title. Help. Yeah, throw another good title fight on there, and and you're good to go. But you you know you're not getting away with with this like you did Reyes. Like, <laughs> right. That card wouldn't wouldn't hold. You know, this main event wouldn't hold that card. But. You know, I think it plays out for everybody, you know, in the situation. Um, and it opens a lot of doors. It opens a lot of questions for what's next at light heavyweight from here. You know, I think I, I think personally the 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 best choice is that the Yon, Yon fight uh, fights John. Um, but then what do you do with the next few guys? You know, Santos is back now. He's, Santos says he's back who had a pretty close fucking fight with John. You know, yeah. Reyes is out there who had a pretty fucking close fight with John. Um, Anthony Smith still out there uh, at number three. Let's see. So the, the rankings are Reyes, Santos, Jan, Smith, and uh, let's see, or Smith, then Jan, then Cormier. Um, so let's see here. Um, <clears throat> you know, he, he basically – He's beat everybody except for 
No, he beat everybody in the top five. Yeah, so John's beat everybody in the top five. Um, this fight was, you know, against number six, and uh, was I think I think before this, uh, Ujamir was in the top five. Yeah, you know, and, and Corey Anderson, or maybe Corey Anderson, what Corey Anderson was five, and uh, Yon was six. Yeah, so he had beaten the top four, um, and then this was this was the number one and number two, you know, but. Two of those in the top four gave him a hell of a fight. Anthony Smith fought him to a decision, too. Um, you know, and the, nobody's talking about this, but I think it's worth mentioning that Cormier is out there looking for the the Stipe fight, but this opens up the opportunity for him as well. You know, he can, if Daniel said, hey, I want to go to 205 and fight John tomorrow, Daniel gets that fight. I think that there's no doubt it's going to be on. I don't think that anybody gets a rematch before Jan gets his chance. If I if I'm them, I put it on uh, uh, a big free ESPN proper show, big ESPN, and you get as many people as you can watching John Jones, the top pound for pound fighter in the world, for free. And in a perfect world, he knocks off Jan in spectacular fashion, and then maybe you build that rematch with Reyes or something like that. Put Reyes and Santos on the card as well. Number one, number two. Yeah. Yeah. That's put a, a giveaway on ESPN, on regular ESPN, and uh, put it in a primetime slot where it's going to get a lot of attention and just, like, get a lot of eyes on free John Jones, pretty much, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be an easier uh, approach than trying to sell it, and unless you've got some other very good supporting cast members on there, you know? All right, that's going to do it for uh, UFC Rio Rancho, and uh, we'll move on to our next segment, and that will be in, uh, a little bit of a chat with Garrett Sharp, who's getting ready to fight at uh, VFC number 70 on March the 6th at the Cotton Eye Joe. Let's get Garrett Sharp on the line. All right, on the line, we've got up-and-coming prospect Garrett Sharp with us. Garrett, how's it going, my man? I'm doing great. How about the crew at a good old Valor Hour? <laughs> We're doing good, man. We're doing good. Just uh, you know, breaking down, uh, breaking down the shit like we always do. Uh, yeah. And uh, we're excited to talk to you, man. You know, we've got a uh, we yeah, got man. one coming up for you on March the sixth. It's going to be Valor seventy. You're the co-main event, and you're going to be taking man. on Joel Winters. Now, uh, yeah. you are coming off of uh, your last win uh, was then the main event uh, against Brandon McGee. Before, but before we get into all this, but you know, we, we said earlier today when you and I spoke, you're a, you're a Valor Hour version, so this is your first time. So I want to give you a chance yeah. to kind of give your background to people out there that just aren't familiar with you so we can kind of get everybody up to speed on Gary Sharp. So just kind of give us, like, you know, mm-hmm. your background and uh, training and how you got into MMA uh, to begin with. Okay, well, so first of all, I'm a student at the uh, University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and kind of how I got started in MMA. So I started at a boxing gym here uh, my freshman year. I'm a senior currently. But uh, so I was there for a couple weeks. And then in the intramural flag football game, I I messed up my heel pretty bad. So it, it took about three months to recover from that. But then when I was healed up, I don't know how I found out about a Knoxville Martial Arts Academy. Probably just your classic Google search, but, uh, yeah, I found, I found that gym and man, it, it just felt like home to me. Everyone was welcoming. I loved the coaches. So now I've been there now for a little over three years and 
you know, I started training with it and I just fell in love with it. Cause in high school, I, uh, I played various sports and, you know, it always kept me active and I, I kind of needed to fill that void again. So but yeah, that's how I got started there. <laughs> Man, well, you know, it's it's impressive to hear that you're a senior at UT and you're maintaining uh, the pace that you are because, you know, I've been doing this for several years and I've obviously worked with lots of college students that are, you know, mm-hmm. dabbling around and getting started with MMA, but you're taking it pretty serious. You know, you are, are staying pretty active. It's not like you only fire one time a year. You know, you're staying yeah. out there, uh, staying busy while being a, a, full, a full-time college student, a senior at that when, you know, when it really counts. How do you juggle that, mm-hmm. you know, or, or is or is MMA? May something that kind of helps you find some balance to where you're not just absolutely engulfed with uh, school. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd say one of the main lessons I've learned through MMA is discipline. So it's kind of all about, you know, how I manage my time and, you know, through training and, you know, my coaches, I've, I've learned to, you know, balance the two and, you know, I, I it really works out well. So um, so, you know, talk a little bit about the preparation for this fight. As I mentioned before, you were going to be taking on Joel Winters and you're mm-hmm. coming into this one, uh, you know, at three and one now uh, as an amateur. And you're one of Eric Turner's uh, top amateurs. I know, you know, one of the guys that he really kind of sees as having the ability to make that jump yeah, to sure. the next level and do and do pro mm-hmm. pro stuff, you know, the where you start getting paid. Yeah. Uh, which is obviously exciting. You know, talk a little bit about this matchup. Joel is only 1-0, but he, he's an explosive guy. He's an athletic kid, uh, younger like yourself, coming up from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And his one win was against your teammate, the Seagoat, Anthony Cochran. So I'm sure that he's got some uh, some words of wisdom for you in the, uh, yeah. in, uh, in the training for this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'd say preparation for this is the same as always. I mean, I always try to work hard and – no, you got to put the time in in this sport to reap the rewards of it. So, I mean, continuously training and trying to improve my game. And uh, kind of a quote we like to say is 1% better each day. And uh, Eric Turner always talks about, he would always be like, after a year, how much better do you get? And then, you know, you would think it'd be like 365%, but he he then talks about compound interest and i don't remember what the number was but <laughs> anyway that's kind of the mindset behind that one yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, you mentioned that you've been, you know, you, you've been, you know, trying to shore up other aspects of your game. You took a Muay Thai fight here a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you're mainly an MMA fighter, but you wanted to kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Talk yeah. a little bit about that. You, you, you fought a specialist. You fought a guy that, you know, that's what he, he, he just does. He doesn't do MMA. He only does Thai. Mm-hmm. So you jumped in there into his game, had a good showing for yourself, went all the rounds and was uh, competitive. Uh, what did you pick up from that? Um, yeah, like you said, I was just doing that to kind of gain a little more experience and as well as just more cage time in general. So I thought, you know, that was definitely beneficial in the long run. Um, you know, get me more comfortable just being in the cage and, you know, not relying on grappling, just again to show some striking. So, you know, I really think that that was helpful and, you know, like what that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're so, making a quick turnaround. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. We're going to keep the ball rolling, and, you know, I'm excited for this next bout.
you know, uh, fighting in the co-main event. You've got several teammates on this card, like a lot. This is, I was joking with Eric the other day, like if we could ever make a surname for an event, KMA versus everyone, this is the freaking card <laughs> to do it on. We oh, definitely. 14, what is it? 14 bouts, 12 of 14. 14. Yeah, I think we're 12 of 14 or 13 of 15 if you count the grappling that we added. Yeah. It's, so it's like literally 90% KMAA, which is, you know, it's cool. It's great, mm-hmm. you know, for, for you, I know, because it gives you so many people that are dialed in and in that fight oh, camp definitely. mode to help sharpen yourself. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely cool, you know, having all those teammates on the same card. Because, uh, I mean, in the gym, you know, we're all preparing for this bout. And, you know, we all are kind of in the, like, fight mindset and and it's also nice fighting on the same card with others because, you know, you're all going through kind of the same emotions and it kind of keeps everyone, I'd say, like level headed, you know. You got people to cut that weight with you, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, um, I'm going to let you get some love. You know, I know you got a lot of people on this card with you. But give me a couple of names. Who are some people that are really sticking out to you in training camp at KMAA that you're like, man, this guy's, you know, or girl has really is, has turned it on. We're going to see a performance of uh, a, a, a noteworthy performance from them in a couple of weeks. Hmm, man, that's tough because I got to single out my teammates. I, you know, I want to say everyone. Because, you know, we're all training together, learning the same things. Um, I mean, I'm really excited for the main event. You know, Tank. that boy Tank's always going to put on a show. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm excited for some of my, my teammates, like Jackson Donovan, the notorious Seagoat, Dan, Ray. Man, it, honestly, just everyone. Parker, the list goes on and on. Like you said, we have, what, 13 people from KMA fighting? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for everyone, man, because I know everyone's been training hard and putting in the time, so... Let's talk a little bit about your, uh, you know, kind of uh, some short-term and long-term goals that you've kind of got set. I know that, uh, you know, Eric, Eric's big on, uh, you know, the, the whole process here. What are some of the things yeah. that you're kind of looking to accomplish this year and also looking forward and into the big picture? Where, where do you want to take this thing? Um, man, I'm a believer in kind of just living in the moment. So I I try not to plan too far ahead because you never really know where life's going to take you. But I mean, man, I'm really loving the path I'm on now. And it's, it's the daily grind and, you know, continuously working to improve myself and not only martial arts, but just, you know, every aspect of life so I can bring about good things just, you know, wherever I can go. But MMA wise, I mean, I want to keep, you know, trying to climb the ranks until, until it's time to, you know, make that money. Right. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, I believe I'm in a good spot. You know, Valor's one of the best promotions I'd say in the Southeast and, you know, we're putting on shows, you know, once a month, sometimes even twice a month. Right. Yeah. You can stay busy. That's that's for dang sure. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I'd say just continue on the path and, you know, as long as I'm putting in the work and I really don't see there being a limit. So what is your what is your field of study? What is your what are you about to, you know, obviously you're getting ready to graduate here, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, in the, the coming uh, span of time. What is your what is it your uh, your course of study? So I'm studying kinesiology right now, which is okay. like exercise science, pretty much. 
Yeah. Well, that kind of falls in nicely with uh, with this field. Do you I know. Get hope to yeah. get a job, uh, you know, you know, doing you know, working somehow with MMA fighters. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool, man. I don't know exactly what my occupation is going to be, but, you know, with due time, everything will fall into place. I'm a believer in that. And is this, a, is, you know, are you in a, a spot where, you know, when you graduate, you're going to immediately be looking to, to jump into the professional field? Are you going to kind of uh, focus on your MMA? Where, where are you at with that? Um, yeah, man, it's going to be an interesting time period. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, man. I'm just going to, you know, trust the man above. I know he's got a plan. I'm just going to continue on the path I am now. Search for a job, hopefully stay in Knoxville, keep training, uh, just living the life, man. Yeah, we'd love to have you stay in Knoxville, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. No doubt, man. Well, I love the attitude, and I love the positivity, and uh, you're certainly one of my favorite fighters to watch uh, go go to war out there. You always put on a great show. I'm going to let you give some love where it's due, any sponsors or uh, you know training partners, coaches, teammates, all that kind of stuff. I'll let you give some shout-outs. And also, uh, close it out by letting our listeners know where they can find you on social media so they can keep up with your uh, your comings and goings. Gotcha. Yeah, well, so I would shout-out, obviously, to – Knoxville Martial Arts Academy for taking me in. My coaches, Eric Turner and Joey Zonar. I mean, they've done so much for me. I want to thank Frankie's Body Shop for welcoming there, uh, helping out with my strength and conditioning. That's been really great. Um, yeah, if anyone's listening to this and you want to sponsor your boy, definitely hit me up because I'm willing to take uh, some more sponsors. And yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Garrett Sharp One, and then obviously Facebook at just Garrett Sharp and that's pretty much all I use. Well, man, we appreciate the time, Garrett. Uh, once again, folks, oh, definitely. You, can catch, you can catch Garrett in the co-main event of VFC 70 coming up in just a few short weeks. It's going down Friday, March the 6th from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. It'll be taking on Joel yes, Winters sir. in a scrap that I know you're going to want to see. Uh, Garrett, thanks oh, so much definitely. for the time, and uh, best Thank of you luck in training. Me. All righty, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Hope to do it again soon. Thanks so much to Gary Sharp for joining us ahead of his big fight coming up. Best of luck to him. And that's going to bring us to our final segment of the hour, and that is a look ahead at this weekend. We've got two uh, two events that we're going to look at. It's Bellator 239 coming up Friday night. That is the 21st of February. It's going to be on the zone 9 o'clock uh, Eastern coming from Thackerville, Oklahoma from the Windstar uh, World Casino, as they uh, often do. Uh, looking at this one, Justin, it is, uh, to me, kind of a one-fight card. This is not one of their big tentpole events, uh, one of their smaller events for Bellator this time. Main event, though, is really good. It is uh, Ed Ruth taking on Yaroslav Amazov at welterweight action. Amazov, 22-0. and And a pretty good 22-0, and man. Uh, you know, he's 3-0 and in Bellator. He beat Eric Silva. He's beat Gerald Harris. You know, so he's beat some guys that are, are pretty decent. He's not beating up cans. He's 22-0. and Ed Ruth only 8-1, and but with that, you know, elite wrestling background, a three-time Division One national champion at Penn State, uh, just uh, one of those blue-chip prospects. His entire career has been in Bellator. You know, they signed him to make his pro debut there and he's just fought all the way up so 
Uh, big fight for both guys here. The only loss for Ruth being to Neiman Gracie. Uh, Yaroslav Amazov, like I said, 22-0. and 0. Uh, I have to imagine a win here for him puts uh, the division on notice. Yeah, um, I think Ed Ruth is probably, you know, widely considered to be the, the next big thing uh, in their welterweight tournament. I mean, in their welterweight division, he got taken out of the tournament um, by Neiman Gracie, mm-hmm. like you were saying. Um, but... Amazon's no no pushover, man. Like you said, it doesn't matter really who you're fighting to be 22 and 0. You know, you, you can be fighting cans all day long. It's hard to get to 22 and 0. You yeah. have bad nights and stuff like that. And um, you know, uh, Tapology has has Amazon, you know, ranked 20 spots ahead of, of sure. Edruth. So uh, I think Edruth's striking has been coming along really well. Um, that may be one of the, the, the bigger differences. I'm interested to see what the wrestling is like, you know, between that, you know, all American Olympic style, uh, American wrestling versus, um, you know, the, that Russian style that, that Amazov is going to bring. Um, but, um, I'm not sure, you, you know, I think that if, if Ed Ruth, he's, he's got all the, um, all the, uh, the tools at hand, to get better, you know, in the striking fast, he has mm. the athleticism. Um, he has, uh, you know, endless resources at his fingertips, you know, to learn from and to utilize. And uh, I think he's doing that. And if he has, I think that'll probably be the difference maker in that fight. The rest of this card, uh, you know, it's got some prospects. It's got uh, it's got some heavyweights. The co-main event, uh, Brandon Gertz taking on Miles Jury. That's two guys that really need to win. Uh, Miles Jury is like on a three-fight skid, hasn't won a fight in Bellator yet, so I think there's some pressure on him to get this win. I think he does. Uh, Tyrell Fortune is another guy like Ed Ruth. They kind of came up in that at the same time, like this class of wrestlers where they just, you know, they brought them all in, had them do their whole career there. Tyrell Fortune's 8-0 here, taking on uh, UFC vet Timothy Johnson who has not been great as of late. I think this is another win for Fortune. Uh, but uh, I think the odds, though, if I can recall, Johnson is a pretty heavy dog. He's like plus 500 or something. And so that's a little steep, I think, for a guy that's got that kind of experience anyway. Javi Ayala, he's uh, been a spoiler uh, for, for Bellator in the past. Knocked off the Sergey Karatanov. He'll be taking on Valentin Moldavsky. That's the main card. Uh, looking down the prelims, doesn't look like a whole lot of note. It looks like we've got uh, a few recognizable names, though. Uh, Keith Lee, the, the brother of Motown Phenom Kevin Lee on this card, not quite uh, had the level of success as uh, Big Brother just yet at five and three. Also on the card is noted kickboxer Gaston Bolaños uh, on this one as well. Uh, and that is Bellator 239. Anything else from you on this one, Justin? Anybody uh, you give a shit about or is it just whatever? I actually like the main card better than I've liked a, a main card from Bellator in a while. I think they've got some decent names on there. The, the um, Gitz and, and Jury fight's going to be, or Gertz and, and Jury fight's, I think it's going to be a, a good fight. Both those guys are solid, solid guys. Yeah, they get after it. Yeah, I mean, they, they've not had the best run lately, but they're also fighting, you know, in one of Bellator's, probably Bellator's top division. I mean, yeah. you know, 170, you could make an argument for 170, but there's a ton of guys in Bellator's 155 division that, that you know, their top 10 is interchangeable with the UFC. That Anybody in their top 10 probably could go beat somebody in the top 10 in the UFC. Um, maybe not in the top 10, but definitely in the top seven or eight, you know. Um, 
And these guys are right there. I think that it, it kind of sucks that, that they're fighting each other. I would like to see Miles Jury get a win. He started out young, and he's got just tons and tons of talent. Um, but I like I like uh, Gertz on, in that one. Um, Tyrell Fortune, like I said, that that's going to be a, an interesting fight. He's, I can go ahead and tell you he's probably going to take him down and get to the ground and pound pretty quick. But it'd be interesting if he were to, to go in there and try to see what is uh, where he's where he stands in the boxing department or something with a Timothy Johnson. Timothy Johnson can't defend a takedown to save his life, but if he goes in there and, and wants to get in the pocket sure. and trade with him. And, Anything can happen. Yeah, Timothy Johnson throws some shots, man. Um Javier is, is fun to watch. Uh, as far as the prelims go, I don't. The only thing um, really that I, I guess I'm interested in is uh, the, the Bolaños fight. I like that kid. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, I think he might be coming off of a loss, but um, you know he's, he's still young in MMA, five and two, um, but just a world class striker, world class kickboxer, and uh, could be you know could be a, a fun. Fun um, addition to the 145-pound division there. Moving on to the UFC offering for this weekend. It is Saturday. It is going to be at 4 o'clock in the afternoon for us here on the East Coast because it is in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, it's UFC on ESPN Plus number 26, and it's got a great main event, man. I'm pumped for this main event. It is Paul Felder taking on Dan Hooker, uh, two uh, top-ranked uh, lightweights in the UFC. I think it's 6-7, and seven. and the winner, I would think, will put their name into the conversation with all the big dogs, uh, you know, for, for, for the big fights, you know, and uh, I'm pumped for it. We'll get to that here in a moment. Uh, we'll run it down real quick. It is a lot of your typical uh, Oceania type cards uh, with your New Zealand prospects and your Australian prospects mixed in with some, uh, you know, some Asians and some uh, Russians. So uh, let's look it over here. Starting it off, it is Shannon Dobson taking on Priscilla Cachuera, who is in on short notice for Rachel Ostovich there. Um, we've got Maki Patolo, the Hawaiian fighter, taking on Takashi Sato from Japan. Uh, Loma Luke Boonmi, the Thai fighter, is taking on late replacement Angela Overkill-Hill. I know it seems like we're talking about her constantly. Hannah Goldie withdraws from that fight. And I believe Angela Hill is in her third fight in, man, I want to say it's like third fight in like two months, maybe. <laughs> it's like it's a lot like she's been fighting like a lot she you know she's step up on short notice to take take those fights you know they know they can count on her for that uh kai Kara france takes on tyson now that's probably gonna be a pretty good action fight uh callan potter uh takes on kenan song from uh, china that's gonna be a Probably a war. Both of those guys will throw some, throw some gas. Um, and then also on the prelims, my pick for fight of the night, Jake Matthews takes on Emil Weber Meek. Uh, Weber Meek is, he's like a legit Viking. You know, that dude's a wild man. He, if you remember, he, his first fight in the UFC was against Usman. Mm. And he went all the way. Like, he had a really, a really good showing for that. And Matthews, you know, is going to be hyped up at home. So I think that's going to be a good one. Uh, also, uh, rounding out the prelims, Jalen Turner takes on another late replacement. 
Testament in Joshua Kulibau. Kulibau, he's 8-0, and he's local there. Originally, it's to take on Jamie Malarkey, but uh, Malarkey withdrew, so uh, it is the debuting Joshua Kulibau, the number one ranked featherweight in Australia and New Zealand, makes his debut at lightweight against the very tall Jalen Turner, who is looking for his first UFC win, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe he's one and two. I know it hasn't gone very well for him. I also know he's really tall. Your thoughts on the prelims? Um, so I guess Angela Hilly, she does feel like we've been talking about her a lot. She's actually only fought three times since June. Oh, so what is she, it? Doesn't it feel like we've been talking about Angela? Yeah, Hill a lot? she just fought like three weeks ago and then she fought in September. Oh, okay. Um, oh, shit. I don't know what I'm talking about, but, <laughs> but, but I think I feel like her last two fights have been, been you know, close enough together to, to get it confused. Um, but I think it's another opportunity for her to come in there and get a win. Um, you know, I, I think that the the opponent is. We, we talked about her before. That look look a boon me. Mm-hmm. I um, think she's like a really good little Muay Thai fighter. Yeah, I think she's like five foot one. Uh, I, I believe Angela Hill is going to have a, a height and reach advantage over. Um, I like Angela Hill a lot, man. She's just, she's a good person. She has a good personality. She's fun to watch, um, and she's down to fight whoever. You know, I, I feel like she's always been. The, the kind of person that would step on up on short notice and didn't care who the opponent was, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you know she's all into cosplay. That's always fun. But um, I think that's that's gonna be a fun fight. Maki Patola is is a entertaining guy to watch, but uh, so does no pushover. You know, I think that uh, Patola is probably in for. He's gonna have his hands full in that fight. <clears throat> um, Tyson now. Didn't even know he was still fighting, honestly. Um, but I think, think it's a, uh, I don't know. It's a really tough match here. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a showcase for Care France. Um, I feel like Care France is coming off of a tough loss, but still ranked number seven in the world. Um, oh, my. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of giving him something to, to go out there and get the fans going for. Um and Emil Meek, man, I, you know, when when he first busted on the scene, I was like, that's going to be my dude. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, he's a wild man. Yeah, he looks, <laughs> looks like he's from the show Vikings. Yeah. Um, you know, he comes out to fight. He's just fucking, I don't know, if I could, if I could change my whole appearance, my whole look, yeah. like, that's, what it, that's what it would be right. like. Just this, this, this is savage, you know. Um, it looks like he, he goes out and, you know, like clubs deers over the head, <laughs> you know, cuts part of their meat out and just drags it back to camp. Um, so I hope he gets a, a, a big win, but Jake Matthews is, you know, he's been around the block now. Really good grappler. Yeah, man, fighting at home. Um, I, you know, I think everything's, uh, you know, points to Jake Matthews being able to win this fight, but I, I think that Emil Meek can catch him, you know. I think it's been like a year since he's fought. Yeah. Um, so um, it'll be a fun fight to watch, though. Um, I didn't realize Jalen Turner was having that that rough a go in the UFC, um, but he's eight and five now. So I mean, I think when he got in, he you know he had a pretty stellar mm-hmm. record. So um, we'll see what he can do. I don't know anything about his opponent. Um, probably making his UFC debut. It says he's the number one featherweight in Australia uh, and New Zealand. So hometown guy. Um, you know. Looks like looks like it might be a little Jalen. Jalen will probably have the height and reach advantage in that one. Um, we'll see where it goes. Uh, that kid, actually, I think I did hear something about that kid being from City Kickboxing. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, it's probably gonna be a tough matchup. I mean, if he's 
and Jalen's going down. I didn't notice that. It, or no, it's at one fifty-five. It's at fifty-five. This so guy's coming this, up. Yeah, this kid's coming up. Um, so yeah, that that might be a fight to look out for. Um, you know, best best featherweight fighter in Australia and New Zealand. No doubt. The main card is six fights deep. Um, we've got Zubara Tukagov taking on Kevin Aguilar at 145 pounds. And uh, that is a, uh, a tough draw for Aguilar. Uh, Zubara, known as, uh, I guess, one of the, the main henchmen uh, <laughs> there with, uh, with um, uh, Khabib. You know, uh, that's it's crazy when that's what you're known for most, I guess. But that's that's kind of the main thing. He's a tough guy, though. You know, he hasn't got the fight in a while, has he? Or no, no, he, he lost. He did, yeah, he, he, did. And he lost. Yeah, he's the one I think that caught the left hand from Connor when they when they swung mm. the cage and mm. stuff. Magomed Mustaev, fourteen and three, um, taking on Brad Riddell, seven one. Uh, the Australian fighter there will have his hands full, uh, no doubt. And then Marcos Rogerio de Lima takes on Ben Sosoli, the Australian heavyweight there. Another showcase fight for the Australians, uh, rounding out the rest of the main card before we get to the top two. Carolina Kovalkiewicz needs a win. She's on a three-fight skid. She's taking on Jonan Jan, and that is uh, that's a tough fight. Uh, it's a tough one to call. It's, and it's a fight that uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz really needs, I think, right now. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the, the early portion of this? main card um <clears throat> this one it's not a bad a bad offer you know uh, i think the the mustafa and and riddle fight uh could turn out to be interesting mustafa's gonna gonna have a he, he's one of those kind of new class dagestani fighters where um you know we obviously know that he has the wrestling um, but he's <clears throat> he brings a real wild style of, of striking um, to it to almost like uh, it was a beat, um, you know. So um, I think that you know if it if it comes down to the wrestling, it's it's a it's a shoe in for him. Um, but like I said, he's he's got that wild wild striking style, so he might be in for a, a nice standing affair there. Um, Delima and, and Cizoli, I think Cizoli is the one that. Um, he originally lost to uh, uh, what's his name, the big football player, uh, Hardy. Yeah, yeah. He originally lost to Hardy, um, and then it was overturned because Hardy had the inhaler right in the corner. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Delima hasn't had the best go of it here recently. I think he may be coming off of a loss or two, um, but. I think that ultimately um, Cizoli was kind of just brought in as somebody for, for Greg Hardy to, to tear through and uh, the Lima fought his way here. So I think it's going to be the, the biggest, um, biggest difference maker in, in that one. Um, look for a, a pretty big knockout. I need to look at, see what the odds are, but an over under, you know, if, if, if you take the under on that one, you might be safe. Um, this next one's a tough one, man. Kovalkiewicz and Jan. Kovalkiewicz is on a three-fight losing streak. You know, she fought for a title uh, against uh, Joanna. Um, came up short in that one, and, and since then she's just been on a skid. Um, and she's got a tough opponent ahead of her. Um, you know, Yan is, is very similar to um, Weili Zhang, uh, you know, the, the champion over there. Um they they have a very similar pressure you know pressure boxing style 
Um, and Kovalkiewicz has, has kind of succumbed to that that type of stuff. She she likes to have the distance and be able to keep it in kicking range, so she yeah. can so she can use um, you know her her more karate style background. Um, so like I said, she you know she desperately needs a win here, um, but it's it's going to be a tough one for. Her. Uh, luckily, in that strawweight division, it's not a huge division. You know, it's not it's not welterweight or or lightweight where. You know, you get cut too easily, but um, even after three losses, she's she's still ranked number sixteen, or number thirteen. So, um, but she'll you know she'll she'll definitely be in trouble if she doesn't if she doesn't pull this one off. Co-main event is uh, a battle of two guys that are also in need of a win. Both these guys coming off losses, and they both fought ranked guys last time out. Came up short. Jimmy the Brute Crew, one of my favorite nicknames uh, in the sport, ten and one. He'll be the hometown fighter here, taking on the Polish fighter Michael Olechuk, who uh, is looking to continue the success of his countryman uh, Jan Blachowicz here this weekend. Uh, like I said, both these guys are off losses. Uh, Michael Olechuk. Uh, uh, off a loss to uh, OSP, uh, you know, and his last one. And Jimmy Crute, uh, it, it escapes me who his loss was, but it was uh, it was a tough guy. I guess I'll tell you here real quick, like uh, Jim Crute uh, suffered his first ever career loss to Misha Serkinov. So another tough, you know, tough guy. Um, so both these guys took steps up, didn't get it done last time, but uh, they'll be hungry for a win in this co-main event here. And both these guys are finishers. That's, that's when they do win, they generally get finishers. Before we get to this main event, your thoughts on the co-main? Um, it's going to be a tough fight, man. Like I said, Crute, you know, this is his first ever loss. Um Olechesik, however the fuck you say his name, he was on, you know, doing pretty well, moving up the ladder mm-hmm. pretty well, and um, you know, kind of was giving events as like a let's see where you're where you're at, uh, and events put him to sleep. Um, but I think it's going to be a be a, a, a good um, a good banger of a of a two hundred five fight. If I had to, if I had to guess, both these guys coming off submission losses, I think they're probably going to be coming in there to. To throw hands and and throw feet and and somebody see somebody go to sleep. The fight we're all tuning in for, though, uh, to me, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of action on this card. Generally, there there is on these uh, these Australian, New Zealand type cards because they really go for it. But uh, not just overly impressed with the uh, the makeup uh, star power on the undercard of this, but the main event makes up for it because man, this is going to be a war. Five rounds of Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker, he called for this one. You know, he wanted Paul Felder. Paul Felder's like, hey, yeah, you got it. Uh, you want some of this? You get it. Um, the winner of this one is going to be really thrust into the mix, I think, uh, for those those a high profile fight. It's so close. I think uh, Hooker is a, uh, a slight favorite, about right around minus 150, give or take, uh, with the Vegas odds makers. He's a hometown fighter. Both guys are uh, super tough, super durable, hit hard, can take punishment, have shown they can take punishment. Uh, so I think it has the makings of being just a, a gritty war, uh, fan-pleasing type fight. Felder, you know, he's the quicker of the two, but Hooker has about a four-and-a-half-inch re- reach advantage on him. So a uh, really hard fight to call. Eileen Felder, but not with any sort of true conviction. Man, this one is fucking crazy. I've been looking forward to, forward yeah. to it since since they announced it. Um, Paul Felder is one of my favorite guys on the roster. You know, he's a, just a just a fucking animal. He comes in there to to go to war every time. You know, super super aggressive. 
Um, and he's just a smart dude, you know, he does the, the panelist stuff you know, and, and does some commentary and he knows the game inside and out. Um, you know, his fight that got him into the UFC, I'm sure you remember, um, Craig Johnson went up to, to New Jersey and fought him and he hit Craig Johnson with a spinning wheel kick and yeah. knocked out Craig. Yeah. And, uh, his next fight was the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so, you know, I've, I've been watching him since he knocked out Craig and, um, just a huge fan, you know, he's, he's, you know, one of the guys that, that was out there training at the ranch as cowboy for a long time. Um, he's, he's been in Milwaukee now, uh, for a little while, um, at, training with, uh, Duke Rufus and, uh, hasn't lost since he's been up there. You know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a perfect, you know, perfect, uh, coach and, and, uh, athlete, um, pair right there you know, the, the 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 styles match up so well the, you know the way duke fought when he was when he was active uh, was very similar to to paul felder's um just natural style you know and sure. I think duke's duke will bring out the best in him uh, as far as that goes you know for sure it's crazy to see now he's, he's number six in the world though um but he's taking on a, a just fucking murderers row. Yeah, and and he you know he's taking on right now a huge task. Mm-hmm. You know, he's on the literal other side of the planet, mm-hmm. um, in this guy's backyard where he's this guy's a celebrity. I mean, he's a superstar over there, um, and from a team who has you know is coming off of not, they have two world champions you know training there every day now uh, in Volkanovski and. and um, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, the 85 pound champion. Adesanya. Yeah, Adesanya. Um, you know, so guys that are just on either side of him holding world titles. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some of the best, the best training that you can get. Um, Barrett City Kickboxing. And, um, you know, he's, this is, this is definitely the biggest opportunity of his life, biggest stage, biggest opportunity. He's, he's, headlining this shit you yeah, know? like yeah. they're bringing it to his place and, and letting him headline it as your card yeah and um you know there's two things i think that are overlooked a, a, a lot in in mma and especially you know when it comes to this level um one of those you know shana just experienced last weekend but um i think that you're you know your first fight in the ufc and your first big main event at home mm. the pressure and the mental aspect of that is i mean I, you know I, I can't speak to it personally but I just it has to be unreal yeah <clears throat> um right, this is hooker's first is this, is this hooker's first main event um it may not be his first main event it may have he may have main evented against um Edson Barbosa, mm-hmm. but it's definitely his first main event at home. Yeah. at home. You know, he's number five in the world. This puts him in the in the conversation for the world title. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, it's definitely the biggest stage he's ever fought on. And um, if his if his head is right, um, yeah. So it was a co-main event in that Barbosa fight. Um, so this is his first main event. Um, you know. It's going to be tough for him to get past that. It's going to be tough for Felder to deal with the the uh, different time zones and stuff like that. Um, but I think Felder probably gets it done in this one. And I think he goes over there and, and gives him the upset. But 
momentum's a hell of a thing. You know, City Kickboxing could have, you know, another title challenger um, arise this weekend coming out of there. Another thing we were talking about, Angela Hill earlier, this is crazy, but she was on Rogan, like, yesterday mm. <laughs> and she was like flying out later that day to go to australia yeah so she's giving herself like i mean at most maybe it was monday that she was on rogan but it was either yesterday or monday so she's giving herself like three or four days to get acclimated to the jet lag yeah where a lot of people would need weeks you know, you know sure. you have to have weeks so that maybe something to consider you know when if you're thinking about betting on the angela league you know fight um i don't know how how well her uh, opponent is going to be acclimated, you know, but she's from Thailand, so she's from over yeah, that way already. Yeah, she's not far away, so I think uh, it's probably a factor to think about. I'm excited for it, man. I think we're going to have a great uh, great main event and uh, hopefully a nice evening of fights that will end at a relatively decent time with it uh, starting at 4 o'clock. We'll be done with this shit by 10, so that's always nice. We will recap all this next week as well as a look forward uh, to what will be – what was it going to be? UFC – is it Norfolk next, I think, after this one? I, I believe the Norfolk show is the one after this one. But uh, we will we'll look into that as well as uh, more previews and interviews for for the big upcoming VFC 70 card, March 6th at the Cotton Eye Joe. Till then, that's going to do it for another edition, I think. We're going to wrap this bad boy up. For my co-host, Justin Watson, I'm Tim Loy signing off. Till next week, Valor Hour, we're out. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan Quick Fix on Radio Influence. He made a business decision. I think for a majority of people that were tuning in the Rio Rio Rancho, they didn't like that he made a business decision, but I, I can't blame Diego making that business decision just due to the amount of money he is making. Now, I will say this, if the roles were reversed and he was the fighter up two rounds and nothing and he landed the illegal knee, I think the way he presented himself, you know, in the past couple of days would be much, much different. Especially when you think of the legacy of Diego Sanchez, when you think of him uh, taking on BJ Penn for the lightweight championship with just blood gushing out of his face and he just continued to attempt to fight. He really exhibited that warrior's spirit that we romanticized in the early days of mixed martial arts. And that's not to say that's the best thing in the world, right? That's not to say that's the right thing in the world, but that was the culture of this sport for the early incarnation was like, you get hit in the head a lot, you bleed, whatever. You just keep on moving forward and you, and you showcase that Spartan spirit. So that's like the culture Diego Sanchez made his name off of. So to see him say, Oh, I can't see, let's call the fight. Is a major, is a major like movement uh, of what we expect Diego Sanchez to do, and I think that's a big part of like the latter portion of his career is he's kind of being thought of, and he's being compared to the older version of himself, and I think people are more nostalgic to that. They want to see that out of him, and it's a shame. It feels. Like, the way I would describe it, and by the way, like, I don't want to shame Diego Sanchez for taking that call because at the end of the day, he was hit with an illegal strike. The um, the responsibility is on Michelle Pereira for not hitting illegal strikes on his opponents. as simple as that. If you feel like he can't continue, don't continue. Don't want to criticize the guy for that. 
Draft. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.